Welcome to this week's episode of Grow or Die. My name is Alora Chestikoff, and I am from Firebird Summit. My partner in this podcast is Lawrence Henderson from Boss LLC. Every week we meet and discuss coaching topics relative to professional development, personal development, business, and entrepreneurship. Join us and see if there's anything else you'd like to add to the conversation. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Grow or Die. I am Alora Chestikoff from Firebird Summit. What's up, everybody? I am Lawrence Henderson from Boss LLC, and it is always a pleasure to get together with you, Alora. What is up? It is, and I'm liking the new glasses. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, well, so this week we got a topic, and I'm going to tee it over to you, my friend, and you can get yes. us get us rolling. So it's funny, this time of year, and for our listeners and everybody out there, don't know if you know, but there are certain times of year I get to play Professor Henderson, uh, adjunct professor at Morehouse College, teaching leadership and professional development. And also, I am in my second year of my PhD program, and so there's all this transition happening in life, and I know you yourself, Laura, are experiencing some transition and seasons changing in you and your family's life and it's been a minute and but what I'm coming to understand is the nuances of transition and how to not be overwhelmed by the emotions of change and the shifting of the tides and so yeah just talking through transition and how do we navigate those things and all the mushy gushy stuff that comes up all throughout the process. So I love this topic because it doesn't seem to matter how many times you think you've nailed a transition and you've gotten really good at it. Give it a couple months and there's going to be another one. And then you're going to be like, ah, oh, crap, back to square one. I thought I just did this. So for me, this is one of those kind of evergreen topics that never fully goes away. And each time it taps something totally new and different, right? There are so many transitions that we might instigate, right? We might take a new job. We might get married. We might, like, we might make a choice about something that kicks off a transition. Um, and so I think those can often feel super empowering and exciting, maybe a little terrifying, but terrifying more in like a roller coaster way, not like <laughs> getting, you know, getting audited by the IRS kind of way. Like it's, you know, there's a very, like, there's a lot of adrenaline, I think that can really come out of those transitions when we think we're embarking on a new adventure or there's something that, you know, we've been striving for for a long time and we're finally getting to do it. And then I think for me, the, the big delta is those transitions that we didn't see coming, we never would have asked for, right? A parent dying, a spouse getting sick, a child having some kind of, you know, accident, like those kinds of things where all of a sudden it can completely shake up your daily life. Um, and all you can think of was shit, <laughs> never, ever planned for this. Or even if I thought about it as a worst case scenario, like it's still different. Right. And so I think for me, those distinctions are, are, are probably pretty different in a lot of ways in terms of how we look at it. So which one, which, which direction is, is, uh, on your mind today? Um, I all the above. Um, and just some of the, you, you hit some of the things that are, that are fresh for me as it pertains to just life, family, um, things hit home. And so 
this Friday uh, will be my father's birthday um, and the first one since his passing back in February. And what I've comforted myself with in transition is it's a new semester and I, I, it always brings a smile to my face because of where I get to teach at at Morehouse College because their school colors are the same school colors that I used to see growing up around the house from his high school, Lyndon McKinley High School in Columbus, Ohio, maroon, gray, and white. Um, and so the, every time I think about him and just miss him and all our, our conversations that life transition, understanding that I'm in the middle of becoming um, and still transitioning and still processing through this, this next season of life for myself professionally and personally, um, without my father, but also uh, I get to shape these professional minds, these young minds, and um, it, it's just really fresh on my mind. Um, it's like it's like fresh cut grass. Uh, it, it's all in front of me, and so these these waves of emotion um, uh, I've been navigating and processing, and the uh, excitement of new business opportunities um, is something that has really made me shift um, in a totally different way, in particular. Uh, me and my wife working together full time and uh, she, her coming on board as my instructional designer all has happened within the last week and some change and, and so a lot of uh, transition is happening so it's all coming up uh, but but in particular just the um, gratefulness of the opportunity and this speaks to you know our topic on toxic positivity and how, how it can be overwhelming but me really there being a level of gratitude um, to experience the opportunity of transition, of change, um, and, and there being a gratefulness um, for me to be present for it and to say thank you to whatever, wherever I'm at in the process. Um, and so where, where are you finding yourself these days? So it's actually funny that it's your dad's birthday next week. So this last Saturday was my mom's birthday. And not only was it my mom's birthday, but my mom was actually born on her parents' first wedding anniversary. So like August 13th was like always the day in their family because it was my parents' my grandparents' anniversary. It was my mom's birthday. So it was always like this big thing. Well, my mom's been dead now for more than 30 years. My grandfather's been gone for more than a decade. So now it's just my grandmother. And so, you know, fortunately, it was on a Saturday. Fortunately, I'm living close enough. I could go visit so I could go see her. But for her, it's always a really, really hard day. And so, you know, I went visitor, took her shopping, did what we needed to do. We went out to lunch and it was, it was good to be able to spend the day with her. I think the thing that's um, interesting is knowing kind of how that journey for me over time has changed, right? Like I was 13 when my mom died. And, and so, you know, now that I'm, you know, pushing 50, there's a big difference in what that the daily implications of that are in my life, right? When you're 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, like, you know, the no mom thing is a very big deal. And then over time, you know, you get, you adapt to that good, bad, or otherwise you adapt to it. And so, you know, I have friends who like you were lucky enough to have their parents around for a very long time. And so kind of watching what that process looks like in an adult, when I experienced it as a kid and people will say to me now, you know, frequently, well, don't you miss your mom? And I find that to be a really awkward question because the reality is like I haven't had a mom for so many lifetimes like I don't I can't even kind of get my head around what that would be because I just 
it, it's just, I was 13. It's been a very, very long time. And so it's interesting to me to kind of see how the transition works for people when it happens at different phases of their life, because my experience was just so specific, you know, it was not, it was definitely not what most people experience. And that's probably preferable for most people. But um, so to me, like watching kind of how, how different people experience it, or even just my grandmother, right? My grandmother, obviously she experienced it too, but it was her daughter. And then again, back to August 13th, kind of just being like a big day, you know, now she misses my grandfather too. And so like, it, it's, it's interesting for me to see that perspective. And even she, I think has gotten a little bit more, um, I don't want to say philosophical, but more maybe able to appreciate and have that sense of gratitude. You know, it's not because it's not the pain itself isn't as fresh and the pain itself is not the overwhelming component. Right. She, you know, on, on Saturday, she, you know, mentioned a couple of stories about both my grandfather and my mom, which she doesn't she doesn't do a ton, but she will occasionally. Um, she did more on Saturday. And so things like that, I think, are able is where you kind of see that there's a, a transition, even though sometimes it's really hard to witness it in someone else. It's um, one of the things that uh, you really hit home for me right there, what you were describing is, and, and I think, I believe coaching has helped me with this because as, as Professor Henderson, um, I had a student reach out to me um, because their parent passed last week. And it was the first night of online classes and in a moment, it immediately triggered. And I couldn't respond. I was like, I, I was like stuck in the, and like, no, and, and to your point, I believe I'm getting to that point where I'm moving forward and, and I'm happy for, you know, the, the transitions of life and all the rest of these things. And, and, and immediately it's, I believe the humanity of us being able to feel for another person who is having or experiencing um, the nuance of transition. And I think coaching, what it's helped me with is understanding that everybody's process is going to be different. And again, just different, not wrong, not good, not bad, just different. And being in a position that we, we find ourselves in as leaders, as coaches, to help another person process what that nuance is and, and for them and get them to be okay with where they are in that process. And, and like you said, it's like not knowing each day where you're going to land. Um, on the spectrum <laughs> of things. Um, and it's, it's funny, earlier today, I had the opportunity, um, I work with, a, with a, another consultant group and we do these um, sessions uh, called Care for the Caregiver. And we do these sessions for these people who are in the service industry. And I was engaging them on this topic of positive intelligence and really this thought of how do we train our minds to not just be, again, rainbows, unicorns, and pixie dust, but really train our minds to see the path forward in a positive way or a way that serves us and not detract from us. And, and I think when it comes to transition and it comes to you know, the nuance of change and what that looks like, I know in my past, I've, and again, sometimes for a lot of people, there's that negativity bias that comes in and that or we, we there's that negative skew of the way we filter things 
uh, but really training our minds to really challenge what we're pro the message that we're processing and how do we again use it to our benefit so that we can have an outcome that speaks true for us and and again serves us through uh, these periods and these moments um and one in particular uh and, and I love just just the uh, conversation you know that my wife was having as she was transitioning and really our lives of our perspective of transition um, I was one of the rare military officers when I, when I was serving in the Army. We moved every two years. And so we developed this cadence of change about every two years. And the crazy part about it is the connection that we had once I transitioned out, it's been seven and a half years, but every two to three years, we started getting this itch that something needed to change. And the crazy part about it is, is her communicating her itch to move every several years and whether that was, all right, I'm putting my name in the hat for a new position at work or whatever it is. And it's funny how when it's it's unconscious to us, we just roll with the punches or we have that opportunity to roll. But when we have to make these conscious decisions, they cause, potentially sometimes it causes pause. And, and that's been some of the things that, that have happened to us over the years is when it was somebody else telling, telling us to move or transition, all right, we roll with the punches. But when it was us needing to choose, then there was a pause, there was hesitation. Um, and so I'll, I always ask, you as been a digital nomad and all the rest of you made these choices to trans, like put yourself in these different states of, of mind and trans states of flux, if you will. Um, how do you train yourself to just be okay in it? In the change or in not changing? In the change, I think, which I think you've navigated. For me, it's actually the other way around. Really? So, okay. Oh yeah. So, so it's funny because when I, um, when I think about it now, right? Like when we moved here a year ago, I promised my husband I would not make him move again for at least two years. Now the house is on the market. We're trying to move because he wants to. It was not like I wasn't like okay, hey, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. Like actually, that was more him than me. But he hates moving. Like for him, it is the most painful exercise. For me, yeah, years kind of like I like two is a little bit more comfortable. Like you, you know, it takes longer to fully unpack and all that kind of stuff. But um, for me, that part is actually harder. Being able to say, okay, like, look, we have plans to move. The plan is to go and like, in theory, like actually put down roots. Gotta say, the thought of that sort of petrifies the crap out of me. Like the idea that we're gonna make a big move, one more big move. And then we're just gonna like try to anchor ourselves, like for real. That kind of gives me a little bit of heartburn. Like I'm, I'm very uneasy about that. Um, and I think some of that for me is, is more about my sort of general like view of myself as being far more, you know, free and you know, adaptable than that. So the idea of like moving to a new place and just like digging in seems sort of terrifying. Um, whereas conversely, like, you know, going someplace, you know, like I, when I, when I moved, when I left Austin and I went to Mexico, then I went to Colombia, then I went to Miami, like those moves always felt like, okay, this is good. I can do this for a while until, until I'm done. You know, when I'm done, I can pick up and go someplace else. Um, yeah. So now like it's, 
it's almost, I don't want to say death sentence because that's definitely not right, but it's almost like a sentence to tell myself, okay, we're going to go, we're going to do this, you know, this new move. And then that's it. You're stuck. And that's, and again, this comes back to our topic last week about, you know, reframing and how, how are we, you know, what, what's the thought that, and so for me, what I catch myself thinking is, is very much like, oh my God, it's like a prison game. I'm going to go and I'm going to be stuck and then I'm screwed. And so that's the part I have to work on is like, how do I, how do I stop thinking? Like I have, I have to change how I'm thinking about that. Yeah. It, it's, it's, a, it's amazing to hear you describe that because one of the things I've been helping a lot of clients with is how do we live in the and? uh of, of things right and instead of choosing the this or uh, or the you know finite uh kind of thinking when it comes to decisions that we make or the moves that are made on, on our behalf and that this is it this is the last move and, and it's always funny for for us because you know because we get that itch the concept of a forever home is like it's like we try to make our minds think about a forever home, but it's like, but it's us. And so it's like, also, too, it's, it's, it's too big, right? Like, yeah. it's very easy, I think, for me to say, okay, this might be the right place for now. This is good for the time being, figure mm-hmm. out the rest later. Um, and, and, you know, to be fair, when I first moved to Austin back in 2008, like I really, in fact, I told my husband at the time, no more than, no more than four years. That's it. Absolute max. And I say for almost 10. So it's not like it can't happen, but like, I didn't go in thinking that, like, I, I never went into Austin thinking, okay, this is where I'm going to live for the next decade. Cause to be honest, if I had had that thought at the time, I probably would have gone. <laughs> um, so I had to, you know. So I ha- it kind of had to sneak up on me because I had to like get comfortable with it um, mm-hmm. gradually. And then, you know, but to be fair, my last year in Austin, I really spent trying to figure out, okay, like, can I really make this home or not? And at, at the end of the day, I realized I really couldn't. There were a lot of things about it I liked, but for me, it was always kind of a close, but not quite fit mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Now to be fair, a much better fit than Miami was definitely much better fit than Western Colorado was. And even more, it's better fit than my hometown where I grew up now, right now is too. But like I had to, and it's kind of like, I find it kind of like, you know, easing yourself into a really hot, hot tub. You kind of go, you got to kind of slowly get in there. Once you're in there, you can probably stay for longer than you thought. But if you like, we're standing there looking at it thinking, all right, I'm just going to jump in and I'm going to be in there for 45 minutes, you probably hesitate a little bit. But you know, if you gradually work your way into it, next thing you know, it's 45 minutes and you didn't know how much time has passed. And so I kind of find that's true of a lot of things, especially things that might seem to have a little bit more in the way of mental hurdles with them. Yeah. And, and that makes me, it, that brings up for me um, the, what we've all experienced over the last several years and how, you know, as we were navigating, depending on how you were feeling throughout the pandemic and just the nuances of, you know, the next normal or all the rest of the things. And it be like, it felt like it would just never end, but, but we're on this side of it now. And now we're learning that, okay, all the things we were trying to write in pen, we actually need to make sure we have pencils and erasers um, to, to like, just for the, the nuance of it, like, all right, don't, don't do make that a hard, not permanent marker. Don't put that in permanent mark because who, who knows what it's going to shift to. 
which I think it's created these beautiful moments of, of opportunity um, that, that speaks to um, us actually operationalizing words like agility and flexibility and um, resilience and all these other things that, you know, again, people pontificate about, but it really is like, okay, can you, what does it look like in practice to really engage in these things? And I think just the, the, um, the nuance of that I've experienced personally when it comes to just transitioning from military to corporate life to full-time business ownership and consulting and coaching and all these different things. It's just the way that I've been able to do it is that there's been, I've created guardrails, but they've been loosely held, right? Like you said, been nothing that's tied me down. It's like, this is the way it has to go. Um, we, I use things as resources and as tools, not as my holy grail things that I need to, to check the box on. And I think as, as we begin to navigate, people really are going to figure out like, what does this look like for me? And, and, and be true to that, um, which I believe you've done beautifully is, okay, blue hair today, pink hair tomorrow, purple hair the next week and rock the mess out of it. Um, and, and, and that just, and that's been good. That's been your calling card. It's been your thing for some time now. And so I think just people giving themselves permission to play in, in these spaces of transition um, is, is something we, we may need some research on. Well, and I think actually, I like the metaphor you used about, you know, pencil, pencils and, and erasers versus, you know, permanent permanent ink, right? I think that to me is, I think every time, every time I find myself in a transition, whether it was self-imposed or externally imposed, I think the reality is that A, it almost always has broader ripple effects than I originally assumed, right? I think that's kind of a fundamental nature of most transitions. You can't, you can't usually uh, pull a thread over here and not feel it tug at something over here. There's, there's usually more implications um, then you start off assuming. Um, but I think more than anything else, if there's anything that I think any transition kind of reminds you is that nothing is really permanent. You know, like I was like, again, Saturday with my grandmother, you know, my grandmother's 92 years old. She's losing her eyesight. Um, I also, you know, when I take her out, she uses her walker at home, but when we take her out, we have to put her in a wheelchair. Like those are things that like, to me are int interesting reminders that we all age, stuff changes. But, you know, for my grandmother who lives alone, she doesn't watch TV. She hates television, always really has. So she's always read. And now she's losing her eyesight. She can't read anymore. So this has become a much bigger kind of complication. Not only can she not read, she can't read, you know, the menu that they bring her in her care home to pick what she wants to eat next week. Like there, there are a lot of things that start to become more and more complicated because of a transition that she never would have chosen. It just happens to be falling on her. And now, you know, I came home with a stack of legal paperwork that I need to go through for my grandmother because she can't read it anymore to be able to deal with it. Um, and so I think the thing that I find the most valuable about, and sometimes it's easier to do when you're, when you're close to someone else who's going through a transition is to remind you that A, be grateful because stuff's going to change. <laughs> And the changes are not always what we would want, but that it also kind of helps you kind of reground in, okay, so what's the normal now? How can I, 
how can I be of service now? How can I do something that is meaningful, you know, that helps her and that makes her feel better and that makes me feel like I'm contributing in some way? Um, and again, I think in some ways that's almost easier to do when you're adjacent to someone who's going through a transition. But I think one way or another, I think everybody's either going through one personally or adjacent to someone who's going through one, right? There, you kind of always have that. And I think it's it's sometimes more helpful to take that opportunity when maybe it isn't you. Maybe you really are just close to someone else who's going through one to witness it. Take that opportunity to practice, you know, patience and some of the things that we might struggle with individually. But then also, okay, how how can I help? How can I be of service? How can I do something that feels like I'm contributing in some kind of way that helps? So that that way, when it's it's you know, the shoes back on the other foot and it's my turn, I can also remind myself that like it's okay to accept help from people because you know I think like a lot of us control freak types accepting help is sometimes the most difficult thing we can do. And the truth is, we need, it's one of those things a lot of us need to get better at. You got me over here humming uh, old, old hymnals and spirituals. Like, that was, you dropping, dropping nuggets over there. Um, and I really believe, in, in particularly when you're talking about kind of that being adjacent to someone who, who is navigating that change, I really... It really, for me, it speaks to kind of a core value of, of service and of support and community, um, which, which again, I believe we need a lot of these days <laughs> to, to, to really support each other. Because the, again, any, any given day, you can see the divides as clear as, as, clear as the sun. Um, but being able to be in service of another person who is navigating life um, and, and life is life. Um, I, I think is is kind of the purest forms of, of us taking care of each other in, in humanity. And, um, and in, in particular, the extension of family and community and, and not totally being, solely being tied by blood. And, um, and I just think about, you know, just the last several years of, of transition where you know, most of my friends were, you know, assigned to me from military assignment, but being able to find community and family and friends through just like activities um, and the other parts in the, in the exciting parts of transition uh, to have these communities of practice, uh, but also friendships. Um, and of course, that, that's what led me and you together was that connection of coaching. And then again, now on the, you know, the academic side of the house and really finding kind of my crowd of professors and, and professionals and all these other things um, and really embracing it and opening my arms to it has, has been the most nerve wracking and exciting uh, for me because I, I friend hard and I, I, got, I got issues, I got trust issues. Um, and all these other crazy things that happened, uh, because again, I'm still trying uh, to, to filter uh, what I use uh, to, to qualify who, who will be a, a Lawrence Henderson friend. Um, but I think, but that's the fun in it, is that while I'm learning others and I'm teaching myself to trust wholly, um, it's also understanding that I'm changing, I'm transitioning. And me really being honest with, okay, what is it that I need from others? 
um, as well as answering the question for myself, who I believe these relationships and these circumstances need for me as well. Um, and I think being honest and being authentic in these moments has really, really kept me present um, for, and not, and not projecting too much, right? Because I, like you were meant, like you recall, like professionally, when we were having to do 10 year plans and five year plans and all the rest of these things, I'm like, look, I have no intention of still working here in five years. I, yeah, <laughs> like, I, like, I don't yeah. know what I'm doing next year. So don't even make me think about that. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm transitioning coaching clients in the next three months. So I'm not even thinking about what you talk about 10 years from now. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm going to be happy. Um, that's, that's what count on that. How about that? <laughs> No, totally. So it's funny. So listening to you it reminded me actually of something in, in, um, you know, I know I've talked about Arthur Brooks's book from strengths to strengths mm-hmm. a lot. He talked about something uh, on the friendship front, right? He, he talked about how, um, he and his wife, as they've gotten older, knowing that it kind of gets harder to make, to make new friends sometimes if you're not like in a new environment, um, or even when you are that what they realized was they had to change how, how they were, kind of getting to know people and how they were relating to people um, and, and shift the conversation. So like when they, when they would meet a new couple who they would think, you know, was good potential candidate for them to be friends with, they would, you know, maybe have them over to dinner and they would skip, they would skip the casual conversation, right? They were not having vacations or school schedules or any of that. They'd move into like deeper topics, like spirituality, like, you know, political values, like the things that were much more core to their sense of, of prior, like life goals and priorities and, you know, meaning of life kind of conversations. Um, and they did it specifically kind of to your point about friending hard, right? That like, let's, let's separate out like true candidates from the false candidates really quick. Let's just get, let's get through that process. And, and he said in the book, you know, one of the things that was great was that there were definitely plenty of couples that at the end of dinner, you're like, okay, well, not so much. Guess not. Thank you for coming. It's been a great night. And then, you know, it's over and they're like, okay, well, I guess that's not working out. But then there are others that they were able to kind of help jumpstart that and get sort of start building that sense of, okay, we have enough like legitimate common values that we can all sort of operate from together that now, now I feel more, more comfortable really starting to invest. And I think that that was a really, I think, useful, useful construct, right? Because I think it can be super hard. And especially, I think, for couples, because a lot of times, you know, individuals look for different things and friends. And, and sometimes it's very, you know, having, I think there's almost nothing harder as a couple than to find another couple that you can both feel comfortable being friends with, right? That is so tough. Man, listen. <laughs> um, so, so funny story. Uh, my, so in the military, I used to laugh at my wife because again, when you're not both in the military, like it's always, it, it's some, and sometimes it's harder on the, the one who's not in from or working in the space that you're, that you're working in. And so my wife as a civilian, um, would, would come to these events with me, these military events and, she was not signing up for this whole thing of military spouses need to be military friends. And she, and I used to like try to force it on her. And she's like, that's your deal. But these women are weird. These spouses are weird. 
I want no parts of them. Like I'll go home back to Ohio. Like our first duty station was Savannah, Georgia. And like, she was like, I'll go, I'll drive 14 hours back to Ohio before I stay here and go crazy trying to be friends with any of these crazies. Um, it's, and so it was funny um, because as she was like, and again, her trying to navigate her professional career, what next looked like for her and thinking, and at the time it was like, looking back at it, I was like, dude, you were so insensitive to her transition and how she was processing this new life as a young spouse. But now also, dude, she has to navigate the next year without you. And, and like, what's that going to look like? And so when I came home and, you know, the first thing she was like, she was like, oh yeah, we're going to church. And, you know, she was like, I'll let me drive because, you know, you, you don't know where the church is. And I'm like, oh, it's the church we went to before we left, before I left, right? She's like, oh, no, I don't go there no more. Um, she was like, and, and the crazy part about she was connected to now a, a, a woman who she was a co-teacher with. And so they connected friends. And so she learned all these other places around the city. And it was just those split moments where I was like, I wasn't a part of her shift or her transition. And so I'm feeling some type of way. I'm in my feels. But and, she, and her trying to explain to me, she was like, I figured it out. And I, and instead of being excited, I was like, well, you didn't include me. Yeah. And it was like, and, and the crazy, and that, and that is so true about couples and relationships and how we, like, communication needs to, like, like 10x itself when it comes to, okay, what are you feeling? How are you feeling? Again, us being 24 um, at the time, like, both first time, both of us out of Ohio for any extended period of time, let alone deployments and all the rest of that, um, navigating life. And so me and her over the years have really laughed when it came to friend groups and transition. Like he was like, look, don't force nobody's spouse on me because I, you know, I got to, I filter, I filter differently. <laughs> so, oh my God, that's so funny. So yeah, like there was, I think there was a meme on Instagram or something. It was a guy saying, okay, I don't have friends. My my wife has friends who have husbands. Those are not my friends, <laughs> you know. And I think that's so. And again, but I think I think your example is actually a really awesome one, right? Because your wife had to go through a transition, not like a, a dual whammy. Actually, not only did you move her out of Ohio down to Savannah, Georgia, talk about culture shock right there, um, but then you deployed. She stayed behind in a community where like her initial contacts were all through you in terms of the base and, and other military spouses and things like that. And she's sitting there going, holy mackerel, are you kidding me? What the hell did I just sign up for? But to be fair, I think in some ways it was probably almost easier when you once you left, right? Because once you left, she no longer felt as much pressure to kind of get plugged into the military spouses thing. She was going to work and it gave her a window to be like, all right, look, he's gone. I'm trying to make the best of this. I'm going to make friends with people that I spend time with and that, you know, have things that, that I have in common with, which is, you know, where work friends sometimes really can be a lifesaver, especially in a situation like that. But you missed it because when you came home, all of a sudden, you know, you thought you left her over here. She's over here. And you're like, wait, hey, what, what happened? Yeah, it's funny. So, so, Again, as, as we think about just, just this topic in and of itself, I think the, the themes of it are 
and we say it's so cliche now, like before kind of the pandemic and us actually living change and the reality of it is, you know, change happens. But to really lean into it, I think it's still an, it's an evolving thing for, for a lot of people. Um, and and I, I know, again, depending on the, the complexity of the change, brings its own level of emotion and and what i mean by that is again just the complexities of you know professional change and career shifts and and all the rest of those things that come with that um of, of navigating these new spaces um trying to find a footing um i i think is is when when you're used to feeling like you're on solid ground a bit i, I think you there's a level of comfort there versus what I believe COVID took us all through was, okay, it feels like the earth is moving under my feet and I, I want to be grounded again. And, you know, anytime a news headline came across that we're going back to normal, everybody was like this like global cheer and the wave happened. And then it'd be like, psych, we're not going back to normal. <laughs> so, is normal ever again, guys. Right? Ever, ever again. Like, what is normal? Like, nor normal is the punchline um, of, 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 like, the century at this point. And so just being able to be okay with just the discomfort of it all and be able to smile through it, um, but but collect some good people along the way to, to, to help you laugh through it, I think, I think is... It's kind of the keys of, of what's next for us all. And, and so if you had to give people kind of like one tip to help them in these moments, what would that, what would that thing be? I think it has to be um, to look at the people around you. So I think the thing that for me was, um, is always a surprise is that like I, handle like avalanches of pressure in a way that other people sometimes find abnormal right it was funny my husband the other day was he made a he made a comment about um he goes you know sometimes how you you know you spend all this time you wait you wait you wait you wait for something and nothing happens and then you make the first move then all of a sudden everything comes crashing down like everything starts moving at once and he said that to me I looked at him I laughed I said I've never waited for anything in my life like, no, I don't know what it's like to just wait because you don't want to make a movie, like just being stuck in that kind of like that starting gate, right? Like not moving. And he looked at me, he goes, oh, of course not. And so, and I think, I think really finding people who can help balance you and or who handle change in a way that complements the way that you do it, I think is super important. For, frankly, I think it's really important, like from a spouse perspective, I think if you're not married yet, and you're looking for, and you know, you think you're on the on the hunt for your life partner. Keep how you both handle change in mind. That is a much bigger thing than I think. Like, you know, people warn you about spirituality, about family backgrounds, about other values and things. Handling change is something that if I had to go back, like to you know, twenty year old me, and say, hey, list a top five things that you need to be on the lookout for not just for a partner, but for business partners, for people in your life is how do they handle change? Because there are a billion ways people can do it. And some of them can be entertaining to watch as long as you don't have to deal. 
Others are absolutely compatible with you. They might not be identical, but they're compatible, which is, I think, the important part, right? You don't want to necessarily have someone who handles change the same way as you, but you need to be complementary in how you do it. Because if one of you is like, oh no, full steam ahead, change, we let's go. We're just going to dive in. And the other one's like slamming on the brakes and going, oh, hell no, not with a gun to my head. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Like that's where you start seeing some really big, and it, it manifests itself in all kinds of ways, right? You see small resistance and little things that can turn into fights that don't need to be fight. Like there's all kinds of ways that that'll start manifesting itself. But I think ultimately the people around you that you rely on and that you are comfortable saying, hey, you know what? I, I absolutely want to be there for you. So again, whether it's a spouse, whether it's, you know, a best friend, whatever it is, I think that that ecosystem of people becomes super, super important over time. Um, and, and navigating change is like the one thing we all have to do, regardless of whether or not we ever intended to sign up for it. Um, and I think having, having the right people around you is super, super meaningful. Yeah. And, and I believe mine, mine is complementary to yours in that, um, let's just say there are still um, some yahoos out there who get, uh, they, they get into relationships for love um, and, and they, they forego all the warning signs of communication and all those other things. Um, somebody in the relationship needs to choose to upskill uh, in their ability to communicate. <laughs> and because I am said person who will run full speed into things that are burning down. Um, and my wife is full brakes. And, and matter of fact, full brakes, emergency brake, uh, Flintstone feet, un out the car type of well, wait, we don't have all the information. <laughs> Why are we headed that way? And so now upskilling in as it pertains to, okay, let's pause, all right? And again, and, and, and I love this quote that I heard from, from a speaker. He said, uh, you're, you're not stuck where you, where you stall, you're stuck where you stopped. And I think, and, and you think about transition, you think about life, and, and if both people can agree that, okay, that direction is forward, just to your point, like, okay, what direction are we going in? Even though you're pushing brakes and somebody's trying to run full speed, pause it and not a full-on stop. And I think that is working through that and that upscale of communication of, okay, are we in a pause? What's going on? Help me understand collect information so that you feel better moving together. Um, and again, us being, you know, communal animals and pack animals and all those good things, like we, there is that sense of community. You want to feel safe. You want to be able to trust the spaces that you find yourself in. And I think just all of us can really, you know, we can all stand up in the communication space. And so that's the one, like get some skills, up your game as it pertains to the way you engage and, and communicate change and, and transition um, and take care of people along the way um, and, and not just engage them from where you are, but, but you know, answer a, a why question from, from time to time, just to make sure that they're still with you, even though that they're, they're uh, covering the break um, and, and break checking you along the way. <laughs> 
Well, and to your point, right, the communication part is important too, because it's yeah. really easy. I think especially, you know, you and I both have the same inclination, right? It's like, okay, that's the goal over there. I'm just heads down, I'm plowing for it. And if something gets in my way, too bad, because I'm just going to steamroll right the hell over it. And if anybody's bothered by that, they can kiss my taillights because I am not stopping for anybody. And that's fine when I don't need to wait for anybody. Like, you know, okay, I might annoy a few people en route, but but if I need somebody to come with me who <laughs> doesn't operate that same way, like I have to be able to check in with them. And I have to be able to ask them like, okay, are you okay with this? Like, do are you ready for us to take the next step here? Are you ready for this? And, you know, to be able to really come back and check in, again, it's, it's, it's back to your point, right? You, you guys can have totally different approaches to something, but like, if you're trying to do it together, you gotta stop and ask: Are we are we still together here? Are we or if I move too far too far forward too fast, and now I need to slow down and let you catch up with me a little bit? Like, what does that look like? So yeah, I think the communication piece has to be has to be something that you commit to, um, and and really make sure that you're not like just, hey, I'm going. There, I saw again. I saw a great a great uh, video on Instagram where a woman and her husband were walking through the mall. And she has a voiceover. She says, I stopped walking with my husband and then videoed how much, like how long it took before he noticed. And like they're like upstairs in the mall. She stops walking and she starts videotaping him. And she's, he's, he keeps walking. He walks all the way around the perimeter of the mall. He goes down the escalator. He walks, he gets almost all the way to the door of the shopping mall. And she's filming him the whole time. She hasn't, she just stopped. She hasn't moved. And she's laughing. She's like completely cracking up as she's watching this. And he gets, she sees that he gets down to the door and turns to look for her and like only then realizes that she stopped walking <laughs> three minutes ago. And she's, and he's standing there looking around trying to figure out where she is. And she's like cracking up. But I think it's a fantastic metaphor for like, okay, you, let's not do that. Yep. It's only funny as a meme. It's not actually funny in her life. Mm -hmm. No, and, and, and I love that because that, again, as we've been navigating this, it's, are you present for what's happening? And 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 again, your surroundings. Do you get your head out of the sand, not and out of your own head, um, to to be able to be aware of, of the things you actually need to take notice of and take action on. Uh, I tell you right now, that would have not went as well with laughter if the, if I was the culprit um, in that scenario. I would have got something thrown at me. Um, and, and all kind of stuff. So, so no, good, good for him that he had, he had a partner who was willing to laugh about it. That's so funny. I would have laughed. My husband wouldn't have laughed though. He wouldn't have thought it was funny at all. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. So, yeah, okay. good, good one today. All righty. Absolutely, sir. Well, thank you very much. And I hope you have a fantastic week, my friend. All right. You as well. See you later. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me and Lawrence in this week's episode of Grow or Die. Join us next week when we'll take on our next topic. In the meantime, have a fantastic week.